Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Lydia is an ER nurse and has had many back strains, issues, pain, and loss of work over her 30-plus years as a nurse. Today she comes in for an urgent visit as she was helping move some furniture and felt her back give out again. How she normally manages the symptoms is take the max dose of an NSAID coupled with a few days of muscle relaxers that she stockpiled over the years. She is here today as her supply has run out and she would like a refill of the muscle relaxers. That's all she needs and it works and she won't want to take up too much of your time. Hi, this is Frank Domino and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean for Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, Graduate School of Nursing. Oh, Jill, all of our back hurts. Thanks for bringing this topic. Thanks, Frank. Ah, all right. So poor Lydia, uh, I, I can I can tell you that we know that nurses have a very high rate of of work of loss of time at work and disability due to back injuries. Um, we know back pain is pretty common and it contributes to everyone's loss of productivity as well as discomfort and sometimes lifelong disability. What's the impact of back pain on these outcomes? It's very big, and I think that our listeners are probably saying, "Yep." I've had back pain. It's it's so common. It's a major global health concern. It's the leading cause of disability worldwide for the last 30 years. Um, in the U.S., it is the highest total expenditure on health care. In 2016, it was $134 billion. And it's one of the most common reasons for a primary care visit, with usually prescribing of analgesics that include muscle relaxants. And it's a broad class of drugs that are prescribed to reduce muscle spasm or muscle tone, spasticity, or both. And and the reason we're discussing uh, muscle relaxants today because they're so commonly used. In the past, um, I used to always use certain non-benzo antispasmodics. Um, what are the options? Actually, in one of the uh, guidelines... Uh, by the American College of Physicians. They are used as a, one of the first-line treatment agents, and they're used commonly. So I don't want to say that they're bad to use, but I think we all have to have the knowledge uh, and discussion with our patients about what the possible side effects might be and what actually is their benefit. What, what do they do? Um, so, you know, when that guideline came out in 2017 by the ACP, they were recommended as first-line agents. And that was based on uh, a systematic review of five, of five studies that were done. So the paper we're discussing today expanded on that and added um, and did a meta-analysis on and included several more recent large randomized trial. Um, and they looked at um, muscle relaxants. They looked at a lot of... Um, uh, treatment modalities, but they um, found that in muscle relaxants that there really wasn't, 
it was very low evidence to say muscle relaxants really should be recommended first line, um, especially the non-benzodiazepine antispasmodics, because they did have a small uh, decrease of pain uh, and intensity of pain uh, at two weeks or a little less. But again, very low evidence to say this is something that should be used with everybody. Ah, I think that's pretty interesting. We, this has become just a, a standard of care. Patients come in requesting them. Um, and, and this paper really tells us that their benefit is extremely small with regard to improving pain. Um, so what else should we do besides trying to help manage their pain with an NSAID and maybe some acetaminophen? We have a lot of options, Frank. And it is, I know in Lydia's case, we have a lot of information, you know, 30 years of intermittent back pain. She's still working. She's going to continue to work. And she loves her job. And how can we prevent? How, first, we have two things, treating her right now and then preventing in the future. Treating right now, it's a discussion. And I would say if you talk with the patient she uses them for two days and it gets her back on her feet and fully functioning, there is something to be said there that maybe this is something we will prescribe for her. It's also knowing what else does she do. So we heard her say she wants to take increased doses of you know, NSAIDs. That's fine if that works for her, but what else is she doing? Is she using other modalities and is she interested in using other modalities? Because we know that there are many other non-pharmacological methods that could aid in her number one pain she's having right now and number two preventing in the future. And so um, what we want to do is talk about um, her NSAID use number one. Is she taking it with fluids and food? And, you know, you want to look at her GI risk factors and exactly how much is she taking and for how long. Um, has she gone to physical therapy before? Is that an option for her? Uh, or is it something that we're going to find online for her to do the exercises? She is obviously, you know, uh, an educated working nurse and, and knows a lot. And, and if she poo-poos that because of the time factor, that we can probably give her some exercises to do for a daily routine and, and for prevention. Do, is she doing any stretching? Does she wear good footwear and support? Um, and let's talk about the other things and what they may have for options. What about acupuncture? There's been a recent study on acupuncture that may help with low back pain and chronic low back pain. It's a possibility. Uh, it was found to have, you know, uh, improvement over if uh, versus no treatment and acupuncture showed improvement but that was low evidence but the other thing is cost and availability what about yoga and massage and uh, psychological interventions mainly cognitive behavioral therapy what we found is that in short term it showed moderate evidence so that is a possibility and then what about spinal manipulation therapy um, that may be an option. She may have used it in the past, um, but you know you want to warn about the possible adverse effects of spinal manipulation. Um, so those are, um, you know, really a lot of options, and we could we could go on. Uh, what do you think, Frank? 
Well, I think you're right, Jill. I think she's used muscle relaxers in the past. If we want to give them to her for a short period of time, it's a reasonable thing to do. But I don't think we should ignore the other cool things that we can do, just as you said, the appropriate stretching, referral to physical therapy, and encourage her to use other modalities. I, I think um, I, I totally agree. I, I, if she wanted them and had benefit from them before, I might do them for a few days. I'd certainly counsel her about stockpiling things. But um, you do have to remind her of the, of the dangers of using these meds on a regular basis. But all in all, I think this study really helps drive the fact that we should not count on them as a, as a primary mechanism going forward. And with patients who present new with acute low back pain, maybe try some of the other modalities rather than a muscle relaxer. Thanks, Jill. This is really helpful. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Low back pain causes significant loss of income, disability, and burden to patients in the healthcare system. Limit the use of muscle relaxers and focus on patient-controlled care like physical therapy and stretching. Join us next time when we talk about the influence of eating fatty fish and high omega-3 intake on chronic migraines. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.